0: Episode of Weighed In, and I am joined by my three little Easter bunnies on Easter bank holiday Monday. Kevin Blake is looking like the cheeriest of my little bunnies. How are you, Kevin?
1: Uh, as the little German fellow in the Simpsons used to say, Vanessa, I am full of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> it's been, it's been uh, don't make me wrong, I'm full of chocolate. Yeah, oh that'll be that's me at the manner.
0: I was at Wolverhampton on um saturday night and i saw a trainer there i won't mention his name and i said how are you enjoying easter are you a religious man he said absolutely not but i'm an egg man i was like so what and then it suddenly clicked he's like i love an egg a chocolate egg brendan you strike me as the sort of man who'd like a chocolate egg
2: i don't eat a lot of chocolate actually i'm more of a biscuits man but i do like chocolate oh. biscuits at the same time just to uh, give you a little change up
3: yeah but no i don't eat a lot of chocolate
0: and TC, how's your bank holiday weekend going? Anything different for you? What have you been up to?
1: Working, unfortunately. Sorry.
0: Working, working Uh-oh. nine till five. Um,
1: yeah, to see the real the real world associates bank holidays with time off and you know you know lovely things. Whereas us in the racing world, it, ju- it just means more racing, more work. I know. You know what?
0: It it really hits home that way when, like, I look at everyone else's sort of social media, Instagram, my friends. Everyone's gone home for the weekend or you know family time, bank holiday weekend. It's like, what are you doing? Uh, Podcasts, Wolverhampton, and watching a lot of racing.
3: It's more. It's more pertinent over Christmas because with ITV, I think they ITV Racing broadcast eight of the nine days over Christmas. and it just just like ruins you, you can't do anything you can't go away you can't have a social life anything it's terrible
0: oh oh not that i have
3: a social <laughs> life anyway so that's no, i'm
0: glad you've caveated that with that yeah. well done tc uh should we kick on and do our racing review section um not like anything absolutely worldly to talk about but we've got a few horses we should be mentioning specifically in relation to moves in regards to big races in the future. We will kick off at Newcastle. First race at Newcastle on Good Friday was won by Dear My Friend, who's now 40 to 1 shot from 100 to 1 for the Epsom Derby, having won the and Stakes on Good Friday. Uh, big Bruce of a horse, Brendan, for the Johnson team. James Doyle in the saddle and Midland Park syndicate with a potential Derby runner. we love to see that.
2: Yeah, and a very likable, progressive sort he is by by pivotal, but uh, the dam has produced uh, some very strong stairs, and, and and he he looks another one overcame a bump at the start. He's got a really good attitude, but uh, it won't be news to anyone that he's going to have to take some massive step up to be an actual Derby contender. So,
0: I think that's a fair comment. TC, would you concur with the the thoughts of that in regards to the Derby?
3: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. No interest at 40s or hundreds or a thousand.
0: Anything. Right. Okay. Well, that puts a pin in that then. Uh, should we stick with? All weather the finals day, Soon as we were on it. Obviously, the, uh, the headlines went to team Balding and Asheen Murphy. They went up there with four. Well, Andrew Balding had four runners, it comes home with three winners. Pretty phenomenal effort. But I guess that the headline act was probably Berkshire Shadow winning the mild championships, just in terms of fe- looking to the future, what this horse might be able to do. Um, Kev we know this is a high class operator he's now 33s for a race like the Lockinge. what can he do as a four year old on the turf as a, as a mile could you see him out the top draw? could you see him progressing to group one level
1: um, like he wasn't a million miles away from wow. he was no, he, under, he, you know, he, yeah, he yeah. was on the tails of them somewhat at times yeah. um, while looking a bit kind of tricky and I'd say look Gellling has been a help to him uh, he's two from two um, like, look, he's gonna face a different class of animal now when he gets back on grass. And fairness, um, like this, this was a good bit of placing to get to get him to win this. Um, early in the season, like, will he win a group one? Um, I'd make it a pretty big, a pretty big price. But um, look, they look to have him back. Could he win a group three or group two? Maybe, but a uh, group one, no. You can you can have a big price with Blake bet on that one. OK, no, I was just saying, he's beaten a 104 rated horse up mm.
0: levels
3: under a length. It's, you know, talk of the lockings or whatever, just fanciful rubbish, isn't it?
2: Ah, they, might as well, they might as well have a go. I mean, he, he's fit. I don't think he'd be able to handle my Prospero or whatever, because they can make the argument that he got close in the St. James's Palace. Now, I mean, that was a funny race. What didn't get close in the St. James's Palace? I know. <laughs> but he, he, he does look more. He's still, he's still keen enough in Newcastle. Murphy gave him a good ride, actually, to, to, to get up to settle. But he does look more straightforward. It's it's worth a punt, the lockage, but unlikely, granted.
0: Yeah, I think, like you say, he's going to have that fitness edge yard yeah, going great guns. I don't know. Uh, TC, do you have anything else to mention on All Weather Finals Day? Obviously, Notre Belle Bet won the, East, the Classic yeah. and uh, Desert Cop with a three year old sprint, both for the team Balding. But anything else away from that that we should be flagging up from All Weather Finals Day? Not,
3: not really. I mean, you mentioned Notre Belle Bet. I mean, that was a punt and a half. I mean, that was. Tenth. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, that, was,
3: that, that was literally tens across the board I mean it was like on odds checker it was like I said uh, across the page um, you know that went off nine to four I mean remarkable punt really because
0: um, we were all focusing in on the Gosden two obviously in that race yeah. and like I said four. it should have been
3: made a lot more of uh, you know the actual kind of like that I mean no, that was a step up to a mile two again what relevance has it got for big races going forward but yeah, yeah. Um right. You're quite a stunning punt there. Stunning punt, landed.
0: Stunning gamble punt. On- gamble landed. Um Brendan let's come mm. to you for a bit of Irish action, please. Uh, mm-hmm. Leopardstown last week, we saw a couple of obviously at this time, of year, this is just like rinse and repeat job on this podcast, but a couple of nice types and maiden races for Team Coolmore. Uh, let's kick off with the Prairie, who won a Leopardstown maiden, getting quotes for the Derby on just the second start. He's now 25 from around 50s. Um, is there anything to be getting excited about with him?
2: Uh, I, I wouldn't massively rate that form. I think Duke Kador is a a moderate horse, but he, he did it well. He's clearly stepped up from two to three, as you would expect, given given his pedigree. And he I'd imagine he'd go for one of the English Derby trials. We'll we'll know more then. But I, I wouldn't be getting as excited about him. I'd be I'd be more excited about the filly who won the maiden.
0: Uh, save the last dance.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No. Jesus. I mean. So. I I mean she's stepped up massively they didn't seem to fancy her much in Turles and she didn't run very well in And they didn't fancy her in Leverse she must do absolutely nothing at home but she just jumped out and ran these into the ground I mean Booby Woogie's a solid stick as as maidens go you can hang your hat and her being something in the mid-80s I really rate that as that I was a little bit disappointed with her but well just hasn't quite hit the ground running this season. So I I, I think she's she's better than she looked. But saved the last dance, very interesting pedigree. The dam is by Scat Daddy, and she looked to be, looking at her form, she was a really tough and durable sort and a talented sort in America. And She handled the dirt. She was better on turf, granted. Uh, by Galileo, you wouldn't think the oak strip is going, is going to be any issue for her. And I'd say she's, again, she's going to go for, I, I would guess, one of the um, English... Uh, Oaks trials, and I, I, I'd be very interested. I think she's a, she's a live runner in the Oaks. Actually, I thought that was a savage performance.
1: Yeah, remember it, what her what her dam was most famous for in this part of the world, Brendan? No, that Daddy's little darling. Anyone? No. She was the filly that was uh, came over from America to run in the Oaks, Enable's Oaks. that was running the Lightning Storm and bolted down to the start and the jockey uh, Bay out because He thought she was going to run through the, the rain oh, Was that the Kenny McPeak one? yes oh, right. yeah yeah okay. that's her Jeez, yeah it was, it was a, a fun th- long it was a <laughs>
3: clap going down to the start wasn't it yeah
1: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. there was some some brilliant photos from that it was a mad race yeah i would
3: be, be quite keen on that
0: philip is currently 33s from 66 for the oaks having won that episode maiden but um tc is probably a little bit like you know what brendan's touched upon in terms of her starting prices she was third string on the day Despite yeah. the fact she's impressive, she seems to be being slightly ignored by the hype brigade.
3: No, no like, see, if you, well, she, she did that on, on testing ground. Obviously, the dam in America got formed from a mile to a mile four, grade one winner, all on quick ground. Yeah, I think there's a lot to like there. I mean, a lot of the t- you know, this time of year, a lot of these Aiden O'Brien horses, you know, a lot of the second, third and fourth strings are going a lot better than the favourites. He's had a lot of blowouts. Obviously, Alexandropoulos. I mean that mm-hmm. that well touted Alabama. Uh, when disappointingly, well, promisingly, but disappointingly, uh, there as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd be very keen to save the last dance. I mean, yeah, uh, as a prospect going forward. Obviously, we we don't know what the oppositions going to be, but yeah, in isolation, thirty threes is not something I'd be laying.
0: I guess
1: mean, I told you. I told you, Bacarrou was coming back. You, you did. Came back. You did.
0: You did well done. I actually thought that as soon as he crossed the line, I thought, "Good on Kirby." Flagged that up in a subtle way on the pod.
1: Yeah, he's a he's a good horse. I'd say though, "Homeless songs, is fairness, are around very well, um, but "Buckaroo" yeah. just just out battled her. Um, I'd say he'd come on from the run, and I'd say it'll be a group one next, um, all being well.
0: Whereabouts? What 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 might we see him in?
1: Three disbehind, maybe. Huh. Um, that'd be the fav at the minute. I'd say it's not for a little while. It's not for kind of six weeks or so. But um, I'd say that'd be the fav at the minute. That's normally a very winnable Group One as well. That isn't it. Shh, that works. That's why Kevin
0: Ray and Kevin Blake is <laughs> the big planner. Um. Should we stick with all things Coolmore and give Tenebrism a mention, Brendan? Obviously, we saw her take the Listed Cork Stakes down at Cork, as the race title would suggest. <laughs> um, she, she's already a two-time Group One winner. This was well within her range, but what can we expect of her going forward? She's currently seven to one and twelve to one for the Kingstand Stand and the Platinum Jubilee. That's been touted as the Royal Ascot double. Can she be a top-notch sprinter this year, Brendan?
2: Ah yes, I, I, I mean she's she's there or thereabouts. Um, she, she had a really good year last year. S- started off tamely in, in in the Guineas, granted, and well, I, I don't think it did finish all that tamely. I mean she was probably on the in the wrong group and, on on the the, the the October Sprint race in ascot uh but generally she was very consistent as you mentioned Won her second group one she's a runner for all those six and seven furlong prizes uh during the summer england ireland france she, she's just rock solid she ran seven times last year i could see her running at least as many this year um she's she, she's never going to blow anything away but she's getting she's getting her fillies allowance and I just think she's going to turn up in so many of those races. She she she'll probably nab one and be a three-time Group One winner at the end of the season.
3: Wasn't Aidan talking about running her twice at Royal Ascot? Um, yeah, double. Stable double. Tools. double. And, like, yeah. She's obviously she's got a really good profile because we go. Obviously, she was only fifth at, in the Champions uh, Sprint at Ascot, but she was on the wrong side there. Um, yeah, I, I think she's a lively one for the sprint races going forward.
1: Actually, she was she was beating some very good horses over trips that were you know, probably further than ideal last year. Um, so now that they've kind of set out and said, right, you're a sprinter and they're going to train her accordingly. Um, yeah, you wouldn't like to... You know, the Phillies have fared very well in top class, kind of open sprints there for the last you know, decade, 15 years. And i say, I wouldn't be surprised if she won one there.
0: Okay. She's staying on the positive list then, tenebrism that is for the sprint division this oh. coming uh, season. Yes,
1: before what? we move on from Cork, Vanessa, I'd I flag yeah. a two year old that,
0: on.
1: that one that that one there called, um, uh, I'll get my pronunciation Noche Magica. If I, if I turn to my right and stare out the window, I might be able to see her being ridden out. Paddy Toomey trains or my neighbor. Um, huh. him, sorry, um, he, he was shocking impressive at Cork. Um, it was, I suppose, the race was. Had a lot of attention because it saw the debut of Alabama, who'd been the two-year-old that, that Aiden O'Brien had given a good talking up to um the previous week. And yeah. also had a horse of Kieran Cotters called Stirlison, who finished second in the, the opening two-year-old maiden. So you had you'd you'd um home reputations, you'd race course form, and uh, this yoke rocks up and uh, backed off the boards and absolutely bolted up, like really impressive. Um Night of Thunders generally aren't out this early. Um, I'd say I, I'm pretty certain it was the earliest Knight of Thunder to ever win as a two-year-old um, did it despite missing the kick um, moves like a horse that'll want much better ground um, yeah like I'd say you know, we're very early days around we're only the 10th of April now but I wouldn't be at all surprised if he's rocking up at Royal Ascot for um, for one of the two-year-old races there um, I thought he looked very nice
0: Go on butcher his name one last time for us
1: uh, Noche Magica <laughs> anyone have a, anyone have anything better I don't know I'm not cultural uh, yeah, enough to know what it means
0: don't, don't, don't come to me for that sort of thing I don't know why I'm, <laughs> I'm really dyslexic and get everything wrong all the time so um, okay that covers Cork special mentions let's go down under to Australia Queen Elizabeth Stakes at Randwick um, won by Dubai Honour taking his second big race down in Australia TC do you take much notice of the, the Oz action I was up quite ah. early on
3: Saturday morning, surprisingly enough. So I did actually watch all that that uh, rubbish. God, the prize is, there, the prize wrong. money down there is off the scale, isn't it? Um I mean this horse, I, I don't tend to tip or back at short prices, but this one actually put the cap on it when um I backed him and tipped him at twos, I think, went off five to four and got done a short head by Sabuska in a group oh, two. And then he goes and wins a bloody, was it 1.7 million for that race on Saturday? Or something ridiculous. Um, Yeah, I think it's just notable uh, for the fact that uh, William Haggis was talking about maybe getting a satellite operation down there in conjunction with Andrew Boarding. And it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, you just send 10 horses down there and just mop up everything because the Australians just, you know, for those kind of races... You just need a group one straight group two horses to just actually just clear up down there. We've seen that with a Dave.
0: OK, you say that and obviously we have good evidence to support that statement when it comes to middle distance turf racing in Australia. The general view is that you can take down a not group one level performer from Europe and take some of these big prizes down in Australia. I see the case for that, obviously. But Kevin Blake, it's not quite as simple as that because as per Joseph O'Brien proving over the weekend, it doesn't always work out like that. He had a good few nice horses down there. They all run like drains. Now, I, like, I'm sure they've all got ex- excuses or whatever, things didn't go right. But my point is, it's not quite as simple as some people try and make out. You've got to have the right sort of horse who can operate around there.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's challenging. Look, it's, it's not easy. You know, you have to do quarantine this side, quarantine that side. It's, um, it's not easy. Um, poor old Baron Samadi came back um quite badly hurt. So hopefully he'll be all right. Um but yeah, it, it it's challenging. Um, but look, the rewards are great. So if you're willing to and look, it's it's a lot easier to go to Sydney now than it is to go to Melbourne because they don't have the the really draconian vet checks in place there. Um look, they still have they still, you know, um are cautious um but n- not nearly as much as as the Victorians so um look it, it, above a mile you know the the rewards that are that are being dangled there um are very tempting but look it just doesn't suit a lot of people to go down because you know you have to send down you know you can't send down anyone with them you have to send down good staff and they're gone for a long time and you know not everyone is set up to do it um but look Willem Haggis has had a has had a really good um Autumn Carnival, as it is down there, um, in Sydney. Fair play to him. Um, you know this horse is a good example. he's like a Dave who, who did so well down there. You know, probably, you know, no, i know probably about. It. He's just a little bit shorter, tip top up here, but down there. Excuse me. He he can be an, he can look an absolute weapon, and this horse looked really really good. Um, now Animal, who's a bit of a star, and I I don't think that was him. I'd say he was a bit flat, you know, Moonga um, really shouldn't have been finished in front of Animo, so I wouldn't be reading that literally, but Dubai Honour, fierce, impressive, even Animo at his best now might might have had a bit of trouble with, uh, with Dubai Honour in that form. I mean, he, he
2: could be—he could be a Group One horse, couldn't he? I mean, he did look like he was so progressive at the end of his three-year-old campaign and only beaten close—a a very narrow defeat in a Champion Stakes. So I thought he was going to be have a huge season last year, for whatever reason, it didn't. Something—he just didn't kick on. Maybe he wasn't hundred percent last season. You know, if, if he did—if he did come back and can recapture the form that he was showing towards the end of his three-year-old campaign, he could win a Group One in Europe.
1: Okay. Well, a, a Dave ended up winning one, obviously, when conditions were right. It's one of those, like it's like we, we you know, we're we're always tough judges, aren't we? Like we, if we think a horse to be for a horse to be a group one horse, they need to be like bang there in the mix, winning them or finishing second in them all the time. Like like this is a group one horse up here. It's just, you know, a, a little bit below the very best and he needs everyone to drop right probably for it to happen. But down there the, the level is just a little bit lower so he can he can do what he did down there.
0: Brendan, have you been enjoying the Ferry House Easter meeting? We've obviously still got one more day to go as we record this now, but have you been enjoying a bit of jumps action or not? Well, I
2: I, I have been enjoying it. It's, it's like um, uh, my enjoyment of racing recently has been I like going out, meeting people, the weather's been relatively kind, and then I just back a load of losers. So that's sort of half-tempering tem- my enthusiasm. But uh, we mustn't forever fumble in the greasy till Vanessa to throw a bit of yates at you there so yes i am enjoying it uh, but i could do it back in a winner
0: so you didn't
2: back ashrow diamond then to win the honey I, supplement I, I i i didn't no 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 i didn't i i didn't have a bet in that race in in fairness but uh, yes, you uh, it's, need it's, it's, <laughs> yeah You never any money left uh smashing mare she is she's settling better in her races uh re- re- really impressive uh, jockey very very patient ride always thought he was going to get there and he was uh, quite right she won with her head in her chest didn't she uh, just a, a proper mare
0: proper mare indeed and obviously miss Cheltenham reaps rewards in a hat canter Kevin how good do we think Ashrow Diamond can be for next season I suppose is the question she's currently five to one for the mare's hurdle but obviously we're a year out so let's just calm down about that
1: yeah, look impressive here. Um, will be a different story in, in against the boys and open company. Um, but yeah, really impressive. Echo um, Brendan's thoughts on the ride. Um, kind of, I know it's easy, but it's easier when you've got so much horse on you. But he, he showed an awful lot of patience there, and um, she was impressive. In fairness to her.
0: Okay, impressive tag for her, kind of goes without saying, really. Um, now the big sadness of yesterday was obviously we were all really looking forward to the Fairy House Gold Cup, the grade one for the novices. Had an excellent lineup, so many horses in there that we've been talking about for the last couple of seasons. They were all meeting, coming in with different preparations. Mighty Potter was the favourite, and he takes a fall, and it's a fatal fall, very sadly. I'm not gonna lie, watching it, that really just fucks the day for me to put it bluntly like it was just horrible to watch we've been fans of him for a long time myself and kevin blake specifically and it just not only ruins the race obviously for me but the day then thereafter and i think you know gary o'brien uh, ruby walsh on track for racing tv on the day you just really felt it after that. There was no real coming back from it, and that's what the sad days in National Hunt does. It just—it's just a sucker punch, really. Um, and then afterwards, Gordon Elliott does an interview, having won the bumper, where Gary O'Brien obviously asks him about the fatal fall of Mighty Potter and the reaction to that, and Gordon, you know, responds in what I thought was a perfectly normal way for Gordon Elliott. Yeah. He seems to be getting a load of stick on social media, Kev. Or oh, actually, TC, I'll come to you for this first because you're you're scrunching your face up.
3: No, no, no. I'm. Sorry, I I wasn't aware he got any criticism. Oh Jesus,
1: <laughs> he, he got hammered. Oh
0: yeah, real bad. Why? Just people. Because there's saying, a lot
3: of gammons in the world.
0: Yeah. Well. Well. What? Yeah, good well, question, okay, TC. Why is he getting a lot of stick? I don't know. How do people? Yeah. I, 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 only, I
3: only saw the interview, and
0: so you saw the interview, TC. This is a prime. This is a great discussion. You saw the interview, and what did you think watching that interview with Gordon Elliot?
3: I thought nothing. I, I thought he would said exactly all the things that you'd expect him to say. Now, I didn't. I wasn't on social media yesterday afternoon or in the evening. I had a quick look this morning, but. The way how Twitter is at the moment, you you tend to miss a lot of reactions and stuff. But I mi- I miss this totally. Nothing I read this morning uh, was anything like this. So this is this staggers me.
1: Mm. Yeah, I, I was That's- the same though because like I watched it, and I suppose I I you know dealing with Gordon a long time, you kind of get to know you get to know people, and you get to know uh, you know you get to expect certain reactions and mannerisms etc. Like and, and for me, like I I, I like to see I watch it, and Jesus, yeah, he's. I honestly thought he was struggling a bit, but then you read the comments and like people are giving going through him for shortcuts and like, I oh, go how how kind of callous, some caring, you know, um etc. Um, and I just like yeah. Look, the thing about the thing about situations like this, um, like if if Gordon broke down in tears on telly there, said it was the worst day of his life, um, etc. You know, you probably get the exact same people saying, oh, but you get some perspective. It's just, you know, it's just a horse. It's sad, but it's just a horse. And then he slightly goes the opposite way, you know, which, you know, to be honest, like is is typical in racing, you know, because like things go wrong all the time. Right. And if you're working with racehorses every day, Like you're gonna get bad news nearly every day. Occasionally something really bad like this happens. And you almost like if you're going to last in the game, like you almost have to have an emotional defense mechanism there. Like if you if you let things like this get on top of you, like someone like Gordonelli with so many horses, if he let his emotions get on top of him every time he had a setback, he wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. He certainly wouldn't be doing this job. And Mm -hmm. it's not to say that he doesn't care. Like I picked up from you know, like I say, knowing the fella, I picked up from that interview that it was it was really it had really hit him. Um, but many people in racing will will put up this emotional wall uh, as a defence mechanism because if, if if you if you let it get in, it, it'll it'll drive you nuts. Like I, I saw, I took no issue with it whatsoever. Um, I, I really didn't, and it, it's just I it's just typical of modern society now, isn't it? That someone can get stick for not seemingly not caring enough like you're not inside the fella's head you don't know you don't know what, what he's really feeling you know yeah, you know I'm, it's a bit, a bit of stoicism in the face of you know a fairly horrendous event like you know i i, I was utterly depressed and i the comments to be honest Mm. Yeah,
0: well, I was with you, Kev. I mean, I, I felt watching it like, ah, oh, the poor, the poor guy, like I, I felt he was really struggling to get through it. And he keeps kind of pushing back onto Gordon, uh, onto Gary, sorry, by saying, you know, but let's move on, let's move on. And Gary kind of goes again with another question, which rightly so, that's, you know, a good interview in some ways. And I, I personally felt like he was really struggling. But Brendan, are you with Kevin that, you know, the reaction to this? It's like the guy can't do right for doing wrong.
2: Uh, I mean, the, 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 one of the, the, the geniuses on Twitter said, it's like they're just livestock to him. Hello, hello, they are livestock, you know what I mean? How is how's he supposed to deal with them? He's a racehorse trainer. This is what he has to do. Uh, I mean, a sickening blow. He's lost three-stripe life on Mighty Potter this season. Willie Mullins seems to be getting further and further away from him, you know, and these people want him to go home and tweet, oh, Gallop free in heaven, old friend, you know. What I mean, this this is a man who's uh, dragged himself up from nothing. Basically, he is nothing if not resilient, and he has to just look forward and say, "Well, these 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 are cruel blows, but I will." overcome them and restock and there's nothing wrong with saying the word restock when you're in the livestock business that seemed to be a problem for them as well and I can reassure these people on on Twitter who seem to think that Gordon Elliott is some class of an equine sadist which is highly unlikely now I really don't think he's in the horse racing business, just to, to get at horses. But the reassurance for those people is that if if that's what he is, he's in the wrong business because he has to produce them in peak physical and mental condition to be successful on the racetrack. So the horses couldn't be safer. with Gordon Elliott should be
3: reassured to hear.
0: Well said, Brendan. TC, you're, you're obviously shocked by the reaction. Before we move on,
3: I, look, I, I won't, I can't add anything to that. I mean, obviously it's tragic, and just because a horse is good, it's it's no more tragic than if a horse was, you know, a, a 70 rated seller. But uh, no, I mean, the reaction that you've just outlined there just uh, surprises me somewhat, shall we say.
0: Absolutely. Right. Uh, shall we move on to news and views section, please? And we are going to kick off this section, first of all, with the whip. TC I think I'm going to go to first because you can cover this we've had 11 jockeys hit with a suspension by the review committee that's the latest numbers that come out am I i haven't really looked into this but am I right in saying that the flat lads are struggling a little bit in the early stages
3: yeah I mean very much like that I mean it's just a very quick line I just thought it was worth bringing up because um there was, yeah. Obviously, we thought, you know, Cheltenham, you know, we we're all overreacting, and and sounds, and by the sounds of it, we were. We all put our hands up to that. But there are there were more last, the more the following week, more this week, and if you go and and there's still big t- discontent, uh, discontentment now there. If you go and read Rebecca Mendes uh, on Twitter about her mm-hmm. jockey Nathan Mosgrop, he, he lost an uh, lost eleven day appeal um you know you know they're handing out fines for this for very little i mean 11 days for someone like nathan moscow he's big he's a big deal so we shouldn't really gloss over it and what really i know we we haven't got you know much time and we don't want to really uh, go over it again there's this stat that paul strubber's brought up he said since the rules have been brought in there have been 94 breaches in seven weeks for a combined total of 541 days now that is not a that is not a small deal if you're a struggling jockey and you're getting 11-day bans and 4-day bans for going one over um and we've seen the rules have been tweaked after Harry Cobden was in danger of being out for a long while so they were tweaked possibly on the back of that so the rules are still a working progress uh, don't don't get me wrong but uh, yeah I thought it was worth highlighting as well because it's we're not quite out of the woods yet
0: No, I think that was just the the term I was just thinking then as you were speaking, that it's not all over yet, this situation.
2: When you Betfair on racing, you get daily rewards. So any day can be a big deal, like with our Racing Multiples offer. So if you like to dabble in doubles or flirt with lucky 15s, get extra places on
3: horse racing any day this week. Daily rewards with Betfair. Know each way market only. Place part of each way Bet 1.5 odds. Selected UK and Ireland Races and Supply plus. Obviously,
0: the big news story of the week in racing as a whole was the news in regards to Vertum asset management. Um, news came out last week that Vertum Asset Management Company, which is obviously founded by a leading owner in racing, in John Dance. Um, the company was ordered to cease. by the Financial Conduct Authority after serious regulatory and operational issues came to light and the Financial Conduct Authority worked with the police to arrest a 48-year-old man in relation to these concerns Um, Kevin what does this mean for horse racing? Um,
1: We don't know, (laughs) Uh, we're going to have to wait and see how the investigation pans out um what you know one assumes that there's serious, serious concerns in there for them to act like it, it act as they have. Um a palamine who's in that sector would say that the FCA wouldn't be um messing about at all. This is like it would be considered very robust action from them. So look, look, we'll just have to wait and see. It'll be very concerning. Um, you know, our Futurity, big sponsor, John Dance, big owner. Um you know, big employer now. Um, James Horton, of course. You know, relatively newly set up trainer. Um, you know, a Penny for his thoughts must be an extremely concerning time for him, his staff, his whole team. You know, with all with the uncertainty. Um, so look, we'll just have to wait and see. I don't know how quickly this is likely to pan out. Um, how quickly we can expect an update. Um, you know, the wheels the wheels can often be slow to turn, but. Um, we'll, it'll just have to be a case of watch this space because we just don't know enough about the the, the details. Um, how just how serious it is? One assumes this serious, but how serious is the question? So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. I think
3: it's, a, it's a, obviously a tricky one for the media because they can't comment, as Kev said. But you know, presumably he'll be at Aintree this week. Half, you know, owns half a brave man's game. Um, who runs on Thursday? Is it Thursday or Friday? So it would be a tricky one. I mean, do the press go up to him and ask the question? Or, I mean, he can't say anything, presumably. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one for the press. But, you know, it's just, you know, we, we have to kind of like flag it up because it's potentially a big story, isn't it? Uh, for but, not least because of building a training establishment. He's got a trader in in situ. He's a Group 1 sponsor. So, yeah, it's in racing's little world, it's uh, potentially a very big story.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and, and more to come, Brendan. What was your reaction to this? Did you think, um, "Oh, Jesus Christ," or were you kind of more relaxed about when the news came through?
2: Well, I don't think it's going to be uh, seismic for racing. I mean, he he he, he has a, a number of horses, i uh, and the, the sponsorship of the 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 Vir-10 race, but it, it's nothing that couldn't be overcome. But straight away, I was thinking of James Horton because. I mean, I've seen the pictures of that training establishment. He seems to be getting a good type of horse and doing a fine job with the horses. He has. He must have been thinking, well, everything's panning out perfectly in in my career, and um, I, I, I hope that um, things work out from
3: um, uh, because this uh, this must have come as an awful shock. Yeah, the yeah. BHF the said they're keeping a watching brief and you know liaising with the FCA and uh, or whatever. But yeah, it's a. Yeah, I I imagine it's, it'll take months, if not years, to wash out this.
0: TBC to be continued. Um, Kev, let's give a quick mention to all things CCTV. This is off the back of our discussion in regards to horses being got out on race courses after the details of the John Butler case came out a couple of weeks ago now. We discussed that at length on this podcast. um, And you have an update for us in regards to CCTV on British race courses.
1: Yeah, there's been no great follow up on this. Richie Forrestal, um, you know, covered the issue in in his column in the Racing Post. Nothing from the from the BHA, um, and I, I got a very interesting email um, during the week from a, a person who used to be employed as a stable security officer um, for the the Jockey Club slash BHA, and um, won't won't name the person, but it, it was it was quite eye opening. Um, spoke about um, the quality of the cameras, um, various issues that they came across, you know, on the ground day to day, and the cameras aren't digital, um, that, that he was dealing with. You know, so when you zoom in, um, I, I quote, when you zoom in to identify someone, the picture quality becomes so poor, you'd be hard pressed to recognize your own mother. Um, the the level of coverage within the stable yard was not adequate in many cases. Um, you know, individual stable doors not, not being adequately covered, you know, one camera covering a line of stables. So it'd be difficult to know what stable individuals were going into, et cetera. Um, and the, the sign-off was essentially um, the above could all be rectified, but it would take a substantial investment in new digital cameras and a lot more cameras that are installed at the moment. Um, you know, and, and basically this is from someone that was employed to manage security in the stable yards is essentially saying look, this is what's there is grossly inadequate. It's outdated, and you would be very fearful for the integrity of what's happening in those stable yards. So, like I, I remain stunned that people aren't getting more up, um, about all these stories. Um, they're absolute shockers. You know, ongoing concerns clearly. About um, the likelihood of this happening again due to CCTV systems being inadequate and and the lack of um, public comment from the BHA on it is um, it it speaks I think uh, because look we know um, I'm putting cameras into the yard here at the moment it's, it's not it's it's not cheap but like this is surely in terms of prioritisation of funds like this is surely something like absolutely essential to get right and we've seen it on this side of the water, you know, the IHRB are in the process of finishing up, um, installing new camera systems in pretty much every track in Ireland, um, in the racecourse stables, and, and the BHA haven't been held up as an example of how to do it. Um, I'll tell you what, they, they've they've got, by the sounds of it, they've got some serious questions to answer themselves.
0: Interesting,
3: interesting. I should have a word with uh, kebab shop owners, because the amount of kebab shop fights that I saw on Twitter that... Uh, uh, the actual, the actual kind of like pictures are actually perfect. You can see every angle, can't you? But yeah, the fact another that, good kebab shop, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: they got the CCTV. Yeah. Game the thing about it is yeah.
3: the BHA probably not a statement because you know nobody with a newspaper column is actually ask, asking the question and, and, and making sure they get an answer because if that's true, it makes a mockery of the whole thing, doesn't it?
0: Well, a a little bit, yeah, if they're not fit for purpose. Um, A few other things to tick off the news and views list. Brenda, I'll come to you for fixture list reform um bha have come out this week and said that they're at a critical stage in terms of the overhaul of the fixture list starting from 2024 this is obviously off the back of everyone agreeing that something needs to be done about prize money and talent drain and field sizes changes are afoot the wheels are turning and they've announced that yeah they're at a critical stage but already race courses are coming out in upset and anger about the potential changes, including Musselburgh. That was the big one. They did an interview on ITV racing this weekend. Um, this is going to be something we're going to talk about a lot because changes are going to be made and people aren't going to be happy, basically. Yeah.
2: Well, 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 this is it. I mean, I, I talked to you before about how encouraged I was by, for the guy from Goodwood when they lost a couple of um, pattern races and he said, well, that's just we realize things are bad and there's going to have to be some some pain. Um, I've I of course you feel for for the guy in Musselburgh. I mean that's a really good prize money and they've carved out a real niche for themselves. I mean, with that with that Easter week, weekend fixture, uh, it seems to be highly competitive. Uh, well, of course it is because of, of the of the prize money. Um, I was a little bit surprised that. He was so vexed uh, about losing the time slot more than anything, because I would have thought a fixture like that that seems to be uh, prominent in uh, Edinburgh society uh, and uh, and well supported, that people wouldn't mind if it started at four o'clock. They would still they would still show up they maybe he, he he's talking to people on the ground and in fact they wouldn't because they've got dinner plans or they're doing something else on their easter saturday uh evening uh, that, that's quite possible um but unfortunately there something has to be done and where, where, wherever you make changes some someone's going to lose out um uh, but I, I think the changes will be worthwhile and they have to try something so i'm afraid Musselburgh
3: are just going to have to suck Wait. it up I think one of, the, well, there was a few takeaways from that interview with Bill Farnsworth is, but I think if you start at four, I mean, obviously Easter is a family kind of like four day, but if you, if you start at four o'clock and if you've got a young child, you normally put to bed at seven o'clock. Yeah, then suppose you so. take that out, you take the family outing out of the equation, don't you? And I imagine that, that form is quite a lot of that crowd. I mean, Again, it shows the problem you've got. I mean, I had to look back and I totally missed the interview that uh, Bill Barber did with uh, Julie Harrington on that featured on the racing post on April the 7th. And it and she was just saying, you know, there's big things in the offing, etc. You know, in the coming months, you know, we're gonna reveal what, what what we're after. And um, yeah, it sounds like it's already been leaked out to some of the courses from what Farnsworth are saying, they don't like it. I mean, what I would like to see happen is not only the fixtures but the fixtures actually realigned to, to actually fit in with the TV schedules i'd like i like a fixture list by by the tv channels covering it so there's nothing there's no 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 point in having four or five meetings on the saturday afternoon or four if they're all on one channel i mean, i think the tv companies are going to have to do a little bit of kind of like you know shifting as well uh, here as well it'd be interesting what the bha come out with but it sounds like if that's one snippet of many from the courses, mm. uh, it sounds like there's going to be some, uh, you know, there's going to be some
1: pushback. Yeah, Don't, I'd say jumping up
0: uh, the bit. I can tell.
1: Yeah, I'd say listening to to him, I'd say the main concern of Musselboro is a later slot would mean they wouldn't be on ITV, which which is important to them. I'd say that's a big consideration it amongst the other things you've mentioned. Um, and look, look, you, you know, if if, if the BHA are going to do what they really need to do, which is come in with, with, with a machete and, and go mad here uh, and really chop this thing up and, and take some proper, meaningful, um, fundamental action. like They're going to upset a lot of tracks, and they have to be big enough to be able to take those blows. Um, and look, it's not nice you have individual sympathies for individual tracks, clearly, but you can't lose sight of the greater good here you really can't like you have to do, do not forget what it was like during midwinter there in the UK in particular. Um, Like it was, it was shocking that national hunt product, the whole way through the winter in most part was absolutely shocking. Field sizes, um, fixture congestion, etc. They need to do drastic things and it's going to upset a lot of tracks. And I just hope the BHA now after spending so long pulling and dragging to get the power in their hands to make such changes, I really hope they don't battle it. But it sounds of it, I don't. I don't think they will.
0: They're talking a great... game, Kev. They're talking yeah, and big questions. no details though. Yeah. No details. And look,
1: we, look, we, look. We had a hint, as Brendan briefly alluded to. We had a hint in their um their self-driven revisions to the the, the the stakes race program in the uk like which was a real eye opener like to drop whatever it was 10 stakes races voluntarily like that that's unprecedented really so that gave me a lot of encouragement that right these lads realize just how bad this is and they're willing to go in and take the pain and take the stick and do what they need to do so like i'm just hoping and praying that you know and sometimes you come in with big intentions but by the time you go through all the subcommittees and hear all the individual concerns, before you know it, you watered the thing down to nothing. So hopefully they're strong enough to come in, wield the big stick, uh, and do what they need to do because they they might get loads more shots at this now. Like it, it need it needs uh, like proper action this now, like for twenty twenty four.
0: This is it, and and all the quotes coming out. I feel like a uh, big change is is coming, which as Kevin's outlined, is what we need. A um, couple of other news points to mention. News coming out, TC, that Graham McPherson and, and Fergal O'Brien, the joint training operation, is separating. It's only been going a season and a bit, is it, by now? I was quite surprised to hear about this, given that they seem to, even though Fergal is very much still at the front of that training operation, they it, they seem to be having plenty of winners, having a great time of it, and now they've announced a split.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you don't know any details. We were recording this early on Monday morning and something just came out, Graham McFurton tweeted that, uh, you know, they're not going to be, they're going to cease the partnership. And we don't know the reasons why, but obviously, Fergal was the the dominant partner there. And maybe there's been some, you know, discussion over finances or whatever, or logistics. But yeah, I think logistics was quoted. Um, But yeah, we, we don't know the details. And obviously... These partnerships aren't for a lot of people. I mean, if you people like Gary Moore said, look, when I when know, when I give up, I'll give up. I won't do it in partnership with Josh or whatever. So yeah, it's um yeah, it was it was a surprising one, but we don't know the detail.
1: Do we think um, these partnerships are working the way they're supposed to work? You know, like like it was taken it was taken on um from i think australia might have been the first ones to allow it and you looked at you look at the way it works down there and it's very different to the way it's working up here like in, yeah. in most cases here it's, it's father and son or or, or 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 something like that which that's not really the way it was what was intended is it i know they might right. see it as a nice uh, a way of smoothening the 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 transition from father to son but it's surely not the point of the thing
0: well, I know, yeah. and at the times where it hasn't been father and son, it ha- doesn't seem to have worked. So this is an example. And then was it um, Tom Simmons and Dave Yeah, there's a few
1: around. Uh, William Yor and Chris Grassek has worked has seemingly worked well. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of new market there. Philip Hobbs has just entered into one. Um, but uh, I just I just think the father and son thing is is a this unnecessary you know
0: for, well, for, I for, thought, yeah I mean away from the family thing I thought that we'd see a lot more of young trainers who maybe can't afford to have the setup they want teaming up with another young trainer to get going and do it yeah. and I think that's how it's done in Australia yes. plenty but some
3: informal arrangements that I've read about nothing definitive one that springs to mind is Gay, uh, Gay Kellaway hooking up with uh, Sid Hosey, um, yeah. um, you know, predominantly flat and jumps trainer. Um, yeah, it's, it's a curious one, isn't it? And, um, you know, we have situations where, you know, the, some of the trainers aren't really training them. So, yeah, it's a, it's a curious one.
0: Yeah, very. It is. It is a curious one. Uh, final other thing to mention: Derby sponsorship. We've given this plenty of airtime on the pod in the past. Um, obviously, the Epsom Derby looking for a sponsor. Quite late in the day for this sort of thing, but apparently an announcement is imminent, according to Le said in the Racing Post. Guesses for who, Tony?
3: Well, I've always put for. Well, obviously it's a very late stage, but me just to briefly. Um, Summarise Lee's piece. Lee's very close with the Jockey Club racecourses anyway. It sounds like he's been given the sponsor and all the details because he's, he's talking about 1.2 million being put in the pot for both the Derby and the Oaks. So I imagine he's sitting on the story and we'll release it you know, when the Jockey Club want him to. So um, I've always... At uh, this late stage, it's very hard for any big firm to actually activate that sponsorship because obviously... We are less than two months away now and, you know, for a big sponsor to actually maximise that is it, going to be very, very difficult, if not impossible. So I've always put forward Whirlpool as uh, as a good halfway house given at this late stage. But who knows?
0: Who knows indeed. Um, let's move on to a bit of question time, guys, because we've got some good questions that bring up some pretty decent um talking points as well really and news stories the first of which has come from Paul Smith who's asked given the negative reaction on here Twitter uh, to the news that racing was going to commemorate Stephen Lawrence's life and legacy this month will racing ever be able to broaden its appeal beyond its core base of mostly middle-aged white people and the Silver Spoon Brigade now to give this some background for anyone who hasn't uh, heard about this it was announced that on April the 22nd all six meetings in the UK are going to commemorate the murder the well the 30 years on from the tragic death of Stephen Lawrence he was murdered in a racially provoked t- attack outside a bus stop um, 30 years ago and there is a foundation in his name and the boss of said foundation Jessica Neal has announced that to see an industry the size of horse racing lend its voice to Stephen's story is truly inspiring Uh, I'd like to thank everyone that's assisting in maximising the day's awareness and what Stephen's legacy represents, which is to broaden the view of young people to what's possible and create pathways into education and career opportunities which might not otherwise be open to them. Um, I personally had no issue with this, or I I was surprised by a negative reaction, TC. What was your reaction to this announcement?
3: Well, I read... I read the racing the racing post tweet of the link to the article and it got more responses than any other one I can I can think of. And if you go down the replies, it was almost universally negative. Um and a lot of it was was directed towards Josh Appiarfi, who's behind this. Apparently he's done a lot of work with the Stephen Lawrence Foundation in the last year or so. Uh I think most people, uh it was a one-word one-word response. Why? Um as far as we're aware, you know, the, you know, the, the foundation in question has no links to racing. And it was just a very, very curious one. And But it's, it's put it this way. It's it's not something that anybody can come out and criticize in, in, in the current climate because you, you just know where to go. I mean, one of the other things and I'll say this, I'll say this quite openly because I, I'm not a fan of his at all. I mean, a lot of people would say, "Oh, it's just another Josh Appiary promotion." That may well be very, very unfair. And the questioner does make a very good point about how you're meant to you broaden your your fan base or whatever. If it brings in one, you know, one person, then well, that would be good. I don't think it will because I don't see I don't see any natural association about this. But you know, it's got the backing of the Great British Racing. I just went and had a look on the you know the BHA site, and obviously the BHA are behind this and yeah, they I had a look at some of the job appointments at the BHA. They've actually got a let me get this job title. I don't even know what it means. They've got a people and culture manager at the BHA. Um, obviously they've got diversity and inclusion. I mean, I'm skeptical about this, but it's the kind of thing that you can't criticize because people come at you with, with the obvious retorts, isn't it? I mean, I haven't got any particular um uh, problem with it, but the only problem I got with it is as most people said why
0: why brendan do you have a problem with it and and if yeah. so why
2: well i had, i have a general problem with these things as a sports fan just grafting on social issues be it by a ribbon or whatever whatever you're supposed to do let me let me give you a little insight into the mind of the sports fan there's lots of things about sports that uh, People love the, the excitement of seeing elite level professionals comp- competing. With so, but probably the main thing that sports fans like is a finishing line because Vanessa in life. There are so few finishing lines. It's all grey areas and it's all your perspective. If you watch the news, well, one guy thinks this and one guy thinks the other. You don't get that in sport. You can just sit down, put a game on, put a race on. Someone gets to the finishing line in front. Someone scores more points than the other ones. Beautifully simplistic. And then they want you to wear a ribbon. And my, my, my slight concern with this would be that um when, when, when these issues come, come up on Twitter, you'll get the usual suspects on and they'll there'll be a subtext, and they'll try to somehow suggest to you that, like, I've, I've, the times I've been to England, I've been to England enough times, I, I think, to know it, well, England specifically, but uh, Britain, I suppose, in general, it is one of the most welcoming, inclusive, di- and diverse, and progressive places I've ever visited. It's a, it, it, it's a t- terrific uh, country, and it's it, it, it's, it's gone well, there's a few bumps in the road, there's always going to be bumps in the road, but the There might be a suggestion around this that no, in fact, that's not the case. And don't believe what your eyes are telling you. So what I like to do in these situations is have the remote control nearby and hit the mute button.
0: Right. Okay. well, that's a pretty strong view from Brendan on this sort of thing then. Um, I'm not entirely sure we've answered poor Paul Smith's question, but we should move on because another news story from this week that came out is in regards to Scott Benton and this corruption case that's come about. And David Bradshaw has asked, TC, you can have this one. Yeah. Re-Benton corruption. Many other industries expressly forbid this sort of stuff because of past misdemeanors, obviously, in brackets. What will the effect of these revelations on racing slash bookmakers' standing and reputation be?
3: Uh. I was going to send for another question on a similar theme, so I'll read it out at the same time. It's from Jimmy Justice, and he said, is it time for racing and specialist media to speak out about how racing is being used for lobbying, e.g. perverting democracy? See Scott Benton's statement of attending racing frequently, paid for using by donation of under £300, i.e. it doesn't have to be declared. Now, I think, as with Kevin's, you know, story of last week, about under being underplayed about uh, about you know potential doping, I think this has been, I think this has been pretty much largely ignored as well. I mean, this is this is a fair old story. I mean, it was the old fashioned sting by the Times. They were they were posing as uh, somebody who wanted to get involved in the gambling industry uh, as an investor. So they went to Scott Benton, who is again, I'll check my notes. He's the chairman of the parliamentary group on gaming and betting um and he's ob- obviously they, they caught him with his trousers down here at the times and he's been suspended um by the Tory party pending an investigation because basically he was just saying he was a gun for hire and this is the chairman of the uh, of the parliamentary group as I've just said he was just saying he can get um early insights and an early look uh, for them uh for the likes of the the well is it is it imminent white paper um And he was just like boasting about um how you know he gets invited by you know know, people in the gaming sector um you know go racing what you have to do if you're an mp and if you get something that's over 300 pounds as jimmy justice was referring to uh you have to declare it as your parliamentary in, in the parliamentary records and he was just he was actually joking in this in this video sting that it's amazing how many times he gets invited by people in, like I said, in the gambling sector and it's only and the package only costs 295 pounds. So it doesn't, it doesn't need to be declared. It's, it's, it's a really bad look uh, as, as, you know, as, as, as a questioner says, and um, you know, he's only declared one and, uh, and that was a Royal Ascot one. And that's a 1400 quid from the betting and gaming council as well. So um, if you go back and have read the story and, and, and really delve into it about what he said yeah it, it is a, it is a bad look for 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 lobbying in general which is obviously illegal shouldn't be done and it's a bad look for you know the the people who are who are paying him and invited him here because he looks like a busted flush now uh, he's got but he's got he's got a dubious reputation anyway Scott Bentham but like I said he's been suspended by the Tory party and what comes of that I don't know but it's a it's a pretty uh it's a pretty rum business
0: rum business okay on we go chris kiddle has asked uh, kevin you can have this one Thoughts on the Mr. Escobar ride at Lingfield on Good Friday. Did the stewards take the right course of action for transparency? I didn't back the horse and didn't have a bed in the race. This is the Willie Mullins horse over at Lingfield running on the all-weather, of course, 74 favourite, ridden by Ryan Moore, came there travelling, met traffic in running, looked to hang badly, hang badly throughout. The stewards obviously spoke to Ryan Moore. There's a detailed stewards report on the BHA website and on the racing post comments as well. People can read into that. Kev, at the time, it was, uh, I mean, watching it, you just presumed something had gone very badly wrong, given how he was travelling and then no rides given at all.
1: Yeah, like it was clearly, it was was in heavy traffic. And um, look, the stewards asked the question, which is what we always want them to do. The head-on was revealing, look, it was one of those. It, it it looked much worse than it was. It's the type of thing that winds people up. But look, I think, I think everyone did their job here, didn't they? Um, I I didn't see the need for any any further action myself. Um, frustrating if you if you're on the horse, um, had a fairly miserable run around. But that's horse racing. Unfortunately, <laughs> you sometimes things just go badly wrong.
3: We, we've we've said it before, isn't it? It'd be great if we can indent the head on into those into those comments. So people can click on and look for themselves because the head on isn't readily available to. We always see the side on pictures on on Racing Post, etc. and sport in life.
1: But yeah, I mean, I've mean... Def- i definitely seen them do it before. I remember there was a high-profile stewards before, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. I remember there was a high-profile stewards and they'd embedded the 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 scout camera footage into the report, which was brilliant. Um, look, takes a bit of work, obviously, but look, if you're going to do the job thoroughly, um, which which, which a lot of the time, in fairness, the BJ do on this front, and um, that's just the next level of, of, of what they might consider to, uh, you know, to to a transparency and everything. We talk about a lot,
3: yeah. On a related theme, that would have been that would have been a, a different camera angles would have been very good in the Dash or Drasher case, obviously. He got he got yeah, for the sure the second, they got, that, they got that wrong, didn't they? That was, I
1: thought, that
0: they that. A, I, I thought, thought, they got that
1: wrong. Like, there was widespread kind of um, joy uh, that that the result was switched back again. Like, but I thought they got that wrong. I thought they read that wrong. Um, I, I, I on the day, I like, I thought it was it was going to get turned. It did get turned. I I thought they should have left it alone. Myself, you know, clearly interference took place. Margins involved, etc. Um, more than one piece of interference, and, and I um, I think that, uh, seems to be split opinions on that. But um, I thought the stewards on the day made the right call on myself.
0: Yeah, that big split opinion on that. Lots of discussion about that, but we need to keep going with our questions. Um, JP has asked, Brendan, you've been quiet for a while, so you can have this, even though it mm. is a topic for TC. <laughs> JP's asked, with Middle East with Middle East sports washing, a huge topic in sport at the moment. Why does horse racing seem immune? Surely this has to be addressed. The big elephant what? in the room coming your way, Brendan.
2: Well, it's it's interesting. He says that, but it, 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 the only sport I seem to see that that, that, that talks about all of this uh, Middle Eastern money and uh, dictators, uh, sports washing. The only one that seems to get their knickers in a twist over it really is golf. And now it has caused a big schism in golf, so that it, it, it's very high profile then, and the players are playing on different tours, and they join up, but they joined up this week for, for the Masters. So it, it, it's always kind of simmering in the background. But I know that the petrochemical states are highly involved in uh, football. I don't watch a lot of football, but PSG, Man City, Newcastle, there's a few of them around the place. And I don't really hear a lot of talk about this, as in the ethics of it. Uh, oh, uh, I, I,
3: I, some of the football journalists really go after it. There's Oli Holt in the mail, Mail on Sunday. He, he is really venomous on, on, on this issue. Be okay. Well,
2: well, 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 this is interesting. Uh, now, I mean, if, if from an ethics point of view, I've always think about it more from a sports point of view. Uh, I'm not really that pushed where the money comes from. Uh, it, the, the only thing is it, 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 it could affect competition, and the it, governing bodies will have to come up with their own rules to make sure that there isn't a dominant force in their sport. But, um, once there's money around to keep horse racing on the road, I don't really care where it comes from.
0: Yeah. Well, like the
1: thing is, and now maybe my misunderstanding what sports washing is, like but to, to me, like is that the whole concept of sports washing not basically rolling into high-profile sports with a lot of money to to try and, you know, buy legitimacy and and worldwide attention etc. like we're, in terms of uh, Middle Eastern nations and horse racing like what, I think I'm fairly right in saying that in the vast majority of cases they just love horse racing. And they've been involved for decades and decades and decades, long before the term sports washing was was ever coined. And that that's why they're involved. That's why they own horses. That's why they sponsor races, etc. And maybe one could argue that in more recent times that there is an element of sports washing coming in. But like, she they but they've a long history with the horse lads, and they, they seem to me, you know, it's been a long. It's been fifty years, you know, since they started really getting heavily involved. And you know, bear in mind that you know. The wealth is relatively new in, in that part of the world. Like we're not talking about hundreds and hundreds of years of wealth there. And since they've had the money, they'd be more than happy to, to get involved in horse racing. So I don't think it's, you know, directly comparable to a, to a live golf or, or something well, like that. that. And that's that, maybe that's, that's why a- they get a, they get a pass as our correspondence called, it. I don't think it's getting a pass. I just think it's a, they're two different situations.
2: That's a fair point, actually. I should have. Uh, Mister Darley went to Aleppo to pick up his stallion. Of course, uh, that's a very fair point. But deep, they they have, a, they have a rich tradition in the game.
0: Okay, and the final question is coming Kev's way from our pal Big Yam Mulby stunt double. <laughs> <laughs> he's asked, as a National hunt fan with fair weather slash big pot flat interest, I find the jump slash fat flat tribalism on the pod most irritating. Haven't enjoyed the jump season together with the Gillis-like brain led by Gullis, Kev. Jonathan
3: Gullis, the most disgusting Tory MP, I'm assuming he's referring. Right.
0: <laughs> uh, the Gullis-like brain led by Kev. For an all flat card is sad. It's always Uh, flat. It's always even worse on the
3: back of Lofty giving us 33 to 1 winners on uh, Haydock on Saturday as
1: well.
0: It's always flat fans throwing shade. Why, Kev? Why?
1: Yeah, I, I'm not sure what that specifically refers to, but I, but I did chuckle to myself with the notion that this is always a flat kind of slagging the jumps. <laughs> as soon as we get to September every year, we, we get to put up with the lads talking about the, the great game is on the way back. Uh, the real race is about to start back. But uh, sure look like most people, I, I love both games. Um, this time of year, I'm particularly enthusiastic about the flat because I've had enough of the jumps and come, you know... After the arc, maybe the Breeders' Cup. I'm, I've had enough of the flat, and I'm ready for the jumps. It's a, it's a great game, lads. Both disciplines um, and the way it's structured serves to keep us all nice and fresh.
3: What does throwing shade mean, Brendan? That's the kind of phrase that I, I think you might be able to explain <laughs> for us. What's throwing yeah, shade?
2: No, I, I, I don't know. I'll have to consult my, my history. I've never heard that, phrase.
0: Okay. Yeah, Tony, basically, so
1: look, basically like you know, throw shade, um like insulting basically. Tony, um, you throw
0: quite a lot of shade, put it that way. Look at
3: <laughs> that. Before we finish up a weather watch Entry it's gonna be rain all week. Oh, good job. oh, oh Christ. Christ. Get on get on under two finishes in the national.
2: Bring I'm going to. a am as fats. well.
1: That's that's annoying. Okay, Bring right, be, right. Beth, be, be can sort this out if we I get just, a soft ground or heavy ground. National, what, can, Brendan, we get, can we get a price? Can we get a price on the first twenty finishers in the national being trained in Ireland? <laughs>
3: <laughs> no. uh, uh, Brendan. You won't need your floppy Panama this week in no. Liverpool. Oh. Uh,
0: uh, We're just going to wrap up this podcast Ugh. with a little bit of news coming through from Betfair, courtesy of Paul Nichols. Uh Paul Nichols told Betfair today that the legend that is Klanders Zobo is going to be retired or has been retired. Um, he's got a minor injury, basically, which just keeps niggling at him. It's not going to come right. And even if we give him another six months off, we'll be in the same situation this time next year. So essentially, uh, that's obviously coming from Paul Nichols. He's spoken to the owners and given that the horse has been such a brilliant stalwart for them, he's won two King Georges, two Aintree Bowls and that Punchestown Gold Cup. He's been an amazing horse, says Paul Nichols. And so they've made the decision to retire him because that is what is best for him. God, when I read that the first time, you know, for he sort of that horse really epitomised or does epitomise Paul Nichols's training in terms of, he won't go down as an all-time great national hunt horse, Klanders Oboe, but he's managed to win two King Georges, two Aintree Bowls and that Punchestown Gold Cup. And mm. he really just sums up Paul Nichols's training, essentially getting the very best out of these horses and placing them to perfection, taking home those big pots. Go and enjoy your retirement, Klanders Oboe. But on that note lads thank you as always that was our bank holiday monday edition of weighed in thank you for joining me thank you out there viewers and listeners for your contributions as always join us again on thursday we'll be back always racing only better but for now enjoy your week i hope you've had a very jolly easter